Hi, it's David Averin with the Customer Experience Advantage Podcast. So how does a marine biologist with secret clearance through the U.S. State Department become a top expert and trainer on sales strategy and scalability? Well, my guest today on the podcast is Jason Cutter. He's the author of Reasons Not to focus on the sales experience, along with other books. We'll talk about that. We're going to talk about using authentic persuasion to go from order taker to quota breaker. I'm talking to Jason Cutter on the Customer Experience Advantage podcast. I'm David Averin. Back in 30 seconds. You're listening to the Customer Experience Advantage podcast with David Averin. Featuring candid conversations with some of the most influential leaders in business today. Sit back and listen in, or feel free to watch the video version online. This is the Customer Experience Advantage podcast, and here's David Averin. Hey, thanks and welcome to the podcast today. Once again, if you want to watch the video version, go to my website at davidaverin.com. It's on YouTube as well. And of course, we're on all of the audio platforms. I got great hair today, so I think it's a good time to watch the the video version, but it's up to you. Um, I had a a colleague who, uh, they did the analytics and most people listen to their podcast on their ear pods, which was interesting. And they came to recognize that most people were like in the gym on the treadmill or something like that. That was kind of interesting. Today, we're gonna talk about sales. You know, as they say, nothing happens until somebody sells something, people, put a lot, probably far too much faith in their passion. Or the, uh, as Simon Sinek says, the, you've got to know your why, which I don't really agree with. I think he's awesome, but I think I think you have to know their why, right? You have to know what's important to them. Uh, I don't think people buy from you because you're passionate about something. They buy from you because they need something and you can fill that need better than others. So I'm excited to talk to Jason Cutter today. I, I will Let me read his quick bio, then we'll say hi officially. He's the CEO of Cutter Consulting Group. It's a mindset and scale. He's a mindset and scalability expert. Um, and even though he didn't have a, a sales upbringing or background, we're going to learn more about that. He knows what it takes to be successful in sales and build profitable teams. He's got books, podcasts. Uh, he works with clients uh, and focus on helping them close more deals, make more money, produce produce scalable results. And we'll talk more specifically about the other books that he has. Jason, thanks and welcome to the show today. I am super excited, David. Thanks for having me. And yes, for everyone, make sure to watch the video. Uh, David's hair is uh, spot on. That's what I'm saying. Definitely. I know. That's, that's yeah. what I was saying. You know, definitely don't watch it for me, but watch it for David. Oh, no. Handsome men on the show today. Um, we don't have to talk about hair anymore. Uh, let, let's talk first of all, tell me about your background. Um, as I was reading uh, and, and saw some of your podcasts and other things as well, this background in marine biology, um, I want to hear about your, your, your clearance, your top security <laughs> clearance, and what led you to all of this. And then we'll talk more in depth for our audience about some of the things that are, that are working today about why we should not focus on the sales experience. But give us a little bit about your background first. Yeah, so like you mentioned, I have a bachelor's degree in marine biology from UC Santa Cruz. Uh, I spent years tagging sharks in and around that area. And the the punchline statement about my childhood relative to people is that at one point, I was the 19-year-old standing on a 21-foot boat uh, guarding the bait so the sharks didn't eat it. We were being surrounded by three 18-foot great white sharks at the time. 
And that was still a better, smarter, safer choice than dealing with humans in my mind. Yeah, um, I, I think many entrepreneurs would feel the same. Oh, uh, and, and was there an epiphany? Uh, what was what caused uh, no. the change? You lose a limb? No, no, no. I, I, I kind of, I had an inkling and a desire to have some cool non-life-threatening shark bite scar that I could take with me. But, you know, it's tough to like really plan that accordingly. So I never really right. feel that. No, I mean, um, you know, my uh, two loving parents, they're still together to this day. My mom uh, was a banker and in finance before she retired. My dad was an engineer and then moved his way up before he retired. Uh, so I have two analytical parents. Uh, my mom as a banker and just what she saw hated salespeople. Still hates gross salespeople, but she appreciates sure. the one who do it right. Um, so she hated that. I was also shy, awkward, bullied, late bloomer, only child that didn't fit in anywhere. And so that combination led me to anything but careers with people. I fought it for a while, but it turned out I got a job at a restaurant as a busser and turned out, okay, I was okay with people and then a server. Um, still wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Marine biology didn't go anywhere because I needed more school and I decided not to do that. One thing led to another. I was in Seattle doing tech support while that was still a thing in the U.S., realized that wasn't my thing. And then at 27, I fell into something that is sales, but it was the mortgage business 2002, which at the, that time with the real estate boom and interest rates, it was pure order taking. We joke right. about, you don't even have to show up much and you're going to make six figures. So I learned nothing about sales, even though I was in a sales role, I just saw it as helping people. And for years, I, I even now, I don't think of what I do as sales because I sales to me is still that dirty word that people don't like. Sure. And back in the day, right. And back in the day, you were probably like, this is so easy. I have so nailed this. It's like parents with their first kid and the first kid is just perfect. And they see somebody else with a kid who's crying and they're going, oh, they clearly don't understand what we do. Uh, when did it hit you that it wasn't as easy as shooting fish in a barrel? Um, so I was in the mortgage business for a few years, still things were raging. And I was like, this is boring and unfulfilled. And I don't enjoy this. And people around me are like, are you stupid? Like you're walking away from gold mining when there's a gold rush. And I'm just like, yeah, this doesn't feel, I, I don't enjoy helping people get into large amounts of debt. It's just me. I don't enjoy it. I don't think most people should do it. I don't think it's responsible. Makes sense. So many reasons. And I was like, yeah, I'm not interested. So I went into business with a friend of mine and we were helping people who were in foreclosure about to lose their houses, try to help keep their house, save their house, sell it before, you know, anything but the sheriff coming at 10 a.m. to kick them and their stuff out. That's when I realized that should be easy. That should be easier than anything because that person wants help or they're going to be homeless. Then what I realized is, no, that person is deeply addicted to their house and their habits and their behaviors. And that if they haven't fixed it by now, that's a hard one. And that's when I started studying persuasion, studying even addiction things. And how do you get someone to that first step is admitting you have a problem. And that's when I realized like, okay, that's, I still didn't call it sales because I thought sales was gross, but I'm like, okay, this is effort. Most people look at sales that way, or you hear sales and you think the guy with the uh, the white belt and the white shoes and the plaid jacket saying, well, what's it going to take to get you in this car? Um, tell me about when, when you started doing this more effectively. What were the aha moments? And how did that manifest in some of the sales work that you did and the teams that you worked with? Because you actually, I mean, you're, you're, you're humble in that you don't have a formal uh, 
background or training, but you've done sales for a long time. I, I have. And um, it's interesting because as I've gone into various roles in leadership, uh, at first being pushed into it, uh, just against my will, if you, if you will, um, is realizing, okay, breaking down what works, what I do that works. And really it's that process of trying to figure out, like you said in the intro, where somebody has a need, where is it that somebody uh, could use help, need something, want something, and then do I have that thing? And if I do, then really the gloves are off. It's like, how do I help you get unstuck? If I can't help you send you on your way, there's 7 billion people on the planet. I don't have to twist your arm. Like, I don't, I don't need that. Um, and, and realizing like, yeah. So it was in those foreclosure era days, uh, which, you know, was spanned about five years where I realized it. And then here was the big trick. Here was the huge aha for me is I went to work for a company where we did it all over the phone instead of face-to-face, which I had been raised on. And I was like, that's impossible. You can't sell over the phone because I was raised face-to-face and you had to do everything face-to-face. And then it was like, no, we have to do it over the phone. Anybody in the country, doesn't matter. And then built a process that effectively moved someone towards some kind of solution that they felt good about that worked for the company and was profitable at scale over the phone, that's when I realized, okay, yeah, I, I, I've, I figured out some basics with this for sure. Okay, devil's advocate. There's no shortage of people, professionals, authors, speakers, companies who teach sales. Um, yep. Sales is, is probably the oldest profession, um, older than the other one that people reference from time to time. <laughs> um, what is it that people don't get? What is it the organizations, and maybe it's just something that used to work that no longer does, but what's the biggest mistakes that you see salespeople's, uh, salespeople and their employers making? Uh, that is a huge question, thinly veiled as this really simple, easy sounding question that you've thrown out there. Um, try not to take up the rest of the program. No, but you're that. fine. No, go ahead. I mean, what do others yeah. get wrong? I mean, because there's um, no shortage of people who, are, who espouse knowledge in this. What's different? What are they doing wrong? Um, I think one of the biggest things that organizations do wrong is they uh, think that if I just hire the right people and I let them loose, they'll know what to do and they'll, they'll make it rain, right? And if they don't work out and if they're not the right people, I will just fire them and continue to hire people until I get enough butts and seeds that are the right people. Uh, it's like a sports organization, like basketball thinking, all right, all I got to do is find 12 superstars. And literally we can just sit back. We don't have to practice. We don't have to do training. Uh, I don't have to worry about anything. I just sit back and count the money because I got 12 LeBrons on the, uh, on the team, which a is not possible. It's not scalable. It implodes because too many personalities and egos, you can't scale that. So that's the first thing. Um, and it's usually a result of people at the top who were once in sales and they were superstars and they think everyone else sees the world like they do. So just find a whole bunch of people like them who think they're amazing and great at sales and talking people into stuff. And that's great. Which when I see organizations take that approach, it might work. They have lots of up and down. They have huge turnover problems. They have terrible compliance issues. And to, to your side of the house, which is what your focus is, customer service nightmares all day because of what was promised and said or not promised and not said from the sales side. And it's Make, just like, makes sense. So is there a disconnect? Um, and it's a leading question because I already know the answer. Um, a disconnect between 
oftentimes what superstar salespeople sell, say, promise, and leaving somebody else to deliver it. All, all day, right? I mean, it, it is unfortunate side of it too. It's part of human nature. Most people only care about themselves. The kind of personality that defaults into sales and is hired into sales and is just let loose without any accountability will mostly focus on themselves, right? I'm not saying everyone in sales. I'm just saying that kind of person. And then what happens is they're just doing whatever it takes to close that deal, usually either over-promising or under-promising, leaving out details, uh, talking about how amazing it is. I mean, here's the thing. No product or service is without fault. I don't care right. who you are. There's always a trade-off. Either it's really expensive or there's something someone's not going to like. That's a trade-off. Good, fast, and cheap. Two out of the three, never all three. Um, and so then that just leads to somebody who gets over to the other side, implementation, onboarding, and they're like, well, they didn't tell me about this or that's not what I thought I was getting. And so that caused a lot of issues. But, but doesn't the company... other... Yeah. No, no, fin you go ahead and finish. I was going to say the, the other part for your initial question is, and here's one of the big changes, and this is why I see literally so many organizations still do not get over the phone, in person, at trade shows, conferences, door to door, it doesn't matter. People, classic, old school sales mentality, which is I just, let me do what I do best and I'll just talk people into things, still think this is pre-internet era when the company and the salesperson controls the power because they control the knowledge and information and you have to go through them to get knowledge and information right. it wasn't no too more. long ago we were joking and talking about before we jumped on here you know about uh you know back in our day kind of a conversation it wasn't too long ago where if you wanted to know anything about a car right? Or the price of a car, you had to wait for the newspaper, maybe get an auto trader, depending how old you are, or go to a dealership and roll the dice and risk life and limb dealing with a salesperson to try to find that out. Now, everybody is equipped with all the world's knowledge and information. Yep. So salespeople, it's no longer their job to lecture, to tell, to monologue. They still do it, but they're absolutely wrong in their approach and absolutely missing the mark of what people actually want in 2022. Well, let's talk about that disconnect then, because, because I talk about that as well, right? We, we, we walk into a dealership now, we know everything about the car, right? We know that there are features and benefits and trim package available and competing models from others as well. We probably know what the, the dealer paid for the car before we walk in the door, right? And, we're, and we go in armed, we're not, and we're not gonna pay more. Um, how do you suggest, um, let, let's go to the diet, away from the diagnosis into the, into the prescriptive part. How, how do smart people deal with that differently uh, today? Recognizing that we have more information doesn't mean it's always accurate, right? Arm, armed with information, but going from that, that process of selling to recognizing that we are going to buy as opposed to going for them to sell to us. How do you counsel your clients, train others to approach that interaction differently? So there's, there's a main shift, classic sales, right? Using sales in those terms of what we're talking about is a push model. It is a, I have something. I now have you and you have a pulse. I'm going to push you across the finish line one way or another, sometimes manipulation, sometimes persuasion. I mean, even companies don't like to hear this, but hey, if you buy today before the quarter ends, we'll give you 10% off. That's manipulation, right? They don't right. like to agree. I think right. all those- Some may call it incentive. Apart, right. But you're bribing them to take action today for your reasons, not 
tomorrow for their reasons, right? Like, right. and that's what companies don't want to admit because they just want to keep doing, they want to play this game over and over again. So the difference is instead of pushing sales and pushing people to buy, and again, not the people like the buy versus being sold. I mean, just like the strategy of pushing, <clears throat> you want to be a leader as a salesperson, no matter what your role is. And you want to pull people along the journey with you. And you, and to do that takes this radical shift that I've been talking about a lot over the last year is most people in sales and most companies think they are the hero in the story. They're there to right. save the day, their brochure, their website, the scripting, the monologues, the fact that when you call and talk to a salesperson or show up in a trade show booth, they will monologue for three to five minutes about how amazing they are and how everyone wants it and you want it. And they're just, it's like, wait, who's the hero? You or me? The problem is, is that everybody, every human sees themselves as the hero of their own journey. And there can only be one hero in a story and the customer is always right, which means they are always the hero, which means you, the salesperson, are either the sidekick, Han Solo, or you're the bad guy who also thinks he's a hero, Darth Vader, and you're going to lose. Right. So instead of trying to be the hero, great professional salespeople, again, doesn't matter how long you've been doing it, doesn't matter what you're selling. When you go into guide mode, you should be the guide and see yourself as the guide, which is what is your issue and goal? How do I help you? Can I help you? Do I have the solution in getting you up the mountain safely? Great. Follow me. I'll get you there. And then people will just follow you, right? It's about leadership as a guide instead of I'm the keeper of knowledge and information. And I'm going to push you uh, uh, and I'm going to get through three no's or seven no's or 42 yeses or whatever. No, just, just be a guide. Right. And, and let's back up a little bit because I think it's really important to, because certainly everybody who's listening or watching this right now doesn't have that traditional sales model, right? We've come from a lot of different industries and to reiterate what we talked about earlier, this, there is nothing inherently wrong. Everything you buy was sold. Now, whether you're walking down the, the aisles of the grocery store and you're purchasing and selecting it yourself or somebody else, I don't know that anybody, very few people are really intending to be manipulative in a Wolf of Wall Street kind of a fashion. Everybody's just trying to feed their families. Um, those people work for organizations by and large, I believe, believe what they have is really useful, really beneficial. They're selling, uh, you know, some cooling unit for a warehouse, a lot of it B2B sales, most of who I'm dealing with are in the B2B world as well. Yeah. It's just some of the tactics are less effective today. So tell me what, for those who are, are who recognize that, and there's no shortage of people who are espousing similar philosophies, nobody wants to be sure. tacky in all of this. What do you think customers want today from their salespeople to build? Every organization says, for us, it's about the relationship. Customers rarely say that. Organizations want the relationship. Customers just want their needs met. Um, and the relationship comes as a result of that, right? What do customers today, post-pandemic, what do they want from, the, from the, that representative who is, who is across the transaction from them? Uh, two things. They want to feel like they are the hero and it's all about them and not the salesperson and not the company. Tell me what that looks like practically. So there's a, so there, practically, it's a great slogan. Pra practically, it's, okay, David, so tell me about your situation. What are your goals? What do you have? Like, depending on what you're selling. Okay, sure. so based on that, here's what I recommend for you. 
not, okay, now let me tell you how amazing we are. Here's all the stuff we do. Everyone else is doing it. You should do it. It's actually that consultative sales approach. Again, no matter what you're selling, I work with companies who have offshore call centers selling lower price items where it's still the same. Everyone wants to be treated special and it's about them and they're the hero. They want someone to listen. And then here's the other part, right? So focusing on them is important and that's valuable. And it's a huge mindset shift for so many people. Sure. The other part is what they're really looking for is wisdom, not knowledge and information. What they really want is wisdom applied to their situation. Filtered so through their know. situation, right? Yeah, if you filter it through their situation, which is why when we're talking about, you know, one of the things I wrote in my book, Selling with Authentic Persuasion, there's a chapter on there uh, in there about sales malpractice, which like a doctor, right? It's, it's prescription before diagnosis is malpractice. So Love many the people yeah. jump into it and go, all right, here's what you need because this is what I'm selling and everyone needs this. And I don't really care what you need because I'm selling this and you need it. Instead of going through like a doctor would, here's the problem with sales, David, and this is the biggest issue, it is not a profession. There's no governing body, there's no entrance exam, there's no testing, there's no requirements, yeah. there's no code of ethics, um, there's no malpractice insurance, there's nothing. There's a bunch of people who just like me when I started in the mortgage business, got hired, sat down, and I'm literally with no training and no licensing in mortgage at the time in Washington State, helping people get into the biggest debt of their life. Right. And it's, well, and here's the other thing is, and I love the approach. And it's not that your content about your products and services is unimportant. It's only important as it relates to them and their problem and their issue. And when you can have yeah. that kind of an authentic conversation, right? But all right, let's let's go to to the reality of today. Not every transaction allows for an interaction, right? We we look at at, at banks who all believe that their competitive advantage is the relationship they have with their customers. Well, now 95% of my transactions, I take a picture of the, of the check and I deposit it or I transfer money to my daughter off in school. They're scrambling to try and determine what is their true competitive advantage. So from a sales yep. perspective, and not everybody who's listening or watching identifies them as a salesperson, although we all have to sell what it is that we offer. How do we, in this new era, as an organization, how do we change our mindset um, when we need to sell to our, our audience, we need them to buy from us, but we don't have the benefit of a face-to-face? -face. It's one of the biggest challenges today. What's your response? So I think one of the biggest mistakes that companies make is thinking they can sell some kind of consult. Uh, um, uh, considered purchase, which would mean something where it's like significant or they have to make a decision, not price point related, but like decision related, right? Like changing banks, that's a considered purchase. Like if I'm going to do that, like there's going to be something, right? For some people, it could be joining a hundred dollar a month, you know, shirt membership. Other people, it's, you know, a, a car. So a considered purchase where there's like pros and cons, and it's not necessarily for everybody. The make, mistake that so many companies do is they want to try at scale to get people to make the right decision without an actual conversation. They want to do it with email. They want to do it with text. They want to do it with chatbots. And you can't. If you have a commodity, good luck, go for it, right? Which is what you're talking about. Right. And, the and, then it's it. and then it's volume at that point. Then but it's, then it's but you're right, but professional services. Yeah. Correct. 
right? Like banking is a commodity. I don't care what the banks think about how amazing the banks are. It is a commodity. I have a no shortage of choices. I, I could get one there. I don't, I don't care. I don't have to be loyal to you. So if you're trying to do that at scale without an actual conversation over the phone, video, uh, in person, you're, you're just spinning the wheel. If you want to do it differently, then it's about having a conversation, but also making it about them. I've been in some banks where they take a great approach where they, they talk to me about what my goals are and then make some good choices. I've also been in some gross banks where as soon as I walk up to the counter, they're trying to get me cards because they have their quota and they really don't care about me. They just care about, care about their numbers. And so it's really about that. It's about you have to have a conversation and people want very few people want to buy a house and get a mortgage online unless they're really experienced they want to talk to somebody they it's need a scary. professional they want help but they they're scared because they're worried about what a self-motivated salesperson or company is going to do versus giving them the right advice right and and having a conversation but th there's a there's a great line that says the opposite of talking isn't listening the opposite of talking is waiting to talk Right. And we've all had conversations with people who are just and like, like they're saying, basically finish up really quickly what you what you're saying, because I have something that I want to say. Um, and it makes it very difficult uh, when you realize that that person, sometimes I'll be on the phone with somebody I'll say, please don't read the script. Listen to what I'm saying. I'll say this and they'll say, well, I understand, Mr. Avern, how frustrating that must. No, no, you don't, because you don't really understand the, the issue that I have. Uh, a lot of organizations, especially those who attempt to scale, um, call centers and others as well, they're so buried in the script that they're just waiting for the next thing for them to say, as opposed to listening to what you're saying. It's maddening, right? The scripts are maddening. And they all say, yes, I understand how frustrating or where they go to the next step. How do you break them of that habit? <laughs> Um, one of it is a corporate culture and mindset from the top down in what you see as valuable within your staff, some companies, and again, your customer service expert on your side of the house and organizations as a whole. So I know that this is something you share as well is, you know, if a company from the top down just sees people in call centers as expendable and salespeople as expendable or not smart enough, because I've seen those organizations where these people are not smart enough to be trusted on their own. So they have right. to, we have to regiment their script and everything. Right. Frustrating. Then, then, then there's nothing you can do because that's from the top down. Now, what I will say, and this is where I am different than a lot of people out there and a lot of companies, uh, they, they don't hire me because they do not like the thought of it. I am pro script. I am pro process. I am pro systems like accountability. I'm, I'm pro everything that pure classic salespeople who just want to let get let loose. They can't stand it, but I see those as tools and, and boundaries and support systems to help someone do what we still need them to do in 2022, which is be a human having a conversation with a scared, messy, confused human and help them make the right decision. So scripts when done right with the right mindset, like it's the guidelines for the conversation, it's scripted stuff. And then it's that person in your call center understanding like the script gets me here and now listen and then adjust and have this conversation and go back. Sure. Um, and, that, and that's of course the best way to look at any of that. It, it, it avoids anarchy, right? You talked before about having a team full of LeBron James and the companies who have a, a competitive sales culture 
can be very profitable, but is very difficult internally. Uh, Dave Logan talks about that in tribal leadership, right? That, that what's a, a level one tribe, a level two, and I think a level three tribe is the sales culture. And the internal conversation is, I'm great, you suck, right? And then there's the competitive and they put the, they've got the leaderboard and everything else. And the bean counters like it. And when you really take a step back, and especially in today's world, it's, it's, it's certainly less effective. Tell me really quickly, in a couple of minutes we have left, about the book. And I know it's not your, necessarily your most current, but most relevant here. Um, yeah. talking about, talk to me about reasons not to focus on the sales experience. Where did that title come from? So I wrote that with a friend of mine, Nick Glimsdahl, uh, who also wrote one, Reasons Not to Focus on the Customer Experience and then also the Employee Experience. Uh, and we did some podcast stuff together. And I was like, we need to write one for sales. And obviously, the punchline for anyone listening and paying attention, because they're going to think, okay, what are the reasons? There are no reasons. Like, literally, there are no reasons not to focus on the sales experience, which is the point of the book. Got it. So the book is, is really a conversation starter. And it is 10 chapters with questions about 10 parts of an organization that you should focus on within sales. And then it's mostly just space for you to write out what you should be building for your organization. And it's the common areas that companies don't like to focus on because they think, oh, we don't need to focus on recruit. We're not closing enough deals. It's not recruiting. That's the problem. It's I got to add more spiffs. No, it's who are you hiring? How are you hiring? How are you training them? Sure. All of these things that organizations don't realize lead to it. So um, was a super fun project. I love it. It's a great conversation starter. Um, it's great to take into an organization. We have companies, you know, Nick and I that have worked with separately, where they're like, all right, we'll take 50 of these come in and do a workshop for our team and help us build a world class sales experience and operation instead of just, I call it playing sales. We're talking to Jake Cutter here. Jake, one last question. What do you think is the real competitive advantage, what's the primary competitive advantage today in, in a time of essentially parity, um, commodity, everybody's good. I mean, if they weren't good, they wouldn't survive today with all of the online resources for complaining about them. Where's, what's the real competitive advantage you're seeing with the organizations that you're working with? It, it is that sales experience, right? The big difference is having a sales experience that people enjoy as a customer because so many of us can think about times when we're a customer in our lives. We walk into a store, a restaurant, whatever, and we have a great experience. And we're like, that felt so different than A, what I've experienced before and B, what I was worried was going to happen sure. right, on any end of the spectrum. And so when you do that, when that sales experience feels different and it's about that customer, it will immediately set you apart from most everybody out there. And what I'll tell you, when times get tough in your industry, like right now, mortgage rates have gone up. So many mortgage companies now actually have to work for a living and figure out how do they find customers and keep them. That's the difference, right? You can't just be a commodity low rate company, you have to give a good experience that people are like, that was amazing. And I want to tell my friends and family, uh, and I'm super happy with it. And that makes the whole process easier. Perfect. If people want to get a hold of you, Jason Cutter, learn about more of your books and, and others as well, how do they get in touch with you? 
Uh, easiest thing, if you want to know more information, I have some eBooks too that I'm always happy to send about overcoming objections and building teams and motivating teams. Uh, you can email me, jason at cutterconsultinggroup.com. Again, jason at cutterconsultinggroup.com. And then for a hub for everything from the printed books to the podcast, jasoncutter.com is a great starter hub for that and all of my social media links. Perfect. And we will put that in the show notes as well. Jason, thanks for, uh, for, for taking time to chat. Hang on to the other side. We will chat uh, in a moment here. You can also pick, a cop, pick up a copy of, of my new book as I grab it. Where is it? Here it is. It. It's called The Morning Huddle, Powerful Customer Experience Conversations to Shake You Up wake you up, shake you up, and win more business. In fact, all of my books are available on amazon.com. Be sure to click to like this podcast. Please click to like it, subscribe, and leave your comments. Comments are really important as well. Uh, you can click the little bell icon to receive notifications of new episodes. And you can learn more about my speaking, my consulting on customer experience. I've spoken to 24 countries around the world. Just look me up at davidaverin.com. Thanks for tuning in. This is a Customer Experience Advantage podcast. Remember, leave a comment. Big thanks to my guest, Jason Cutter. I'm David Avern. Be good. This has been the Customer Experience Advantage podcast with David Avern. Feel free to leave a comment and be sure to hit the thumbs up button. You can listen to past episodes and be notified of future ones by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. David's popular marketing and customer experience books are available in print as well as Kindle and audiobook and published in multiple languages around the world. You can stay connected and learn more at davidaverin.com. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.